0: from 1 John, the fifth chapter. If we receive human testimony, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has testified to his son. Those who believe in the son of God have the testimony in their hearts. Those who do not believe in God have made him a liar by not believing in the testimony that God has given concerning his son and this is the testimony. God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the gospel. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, today is a bittersweet day as we remember the members of Boston Avenue who passed away since last Memorial Day. We also remember those who were part of the, that aren't part of the faith community that have passed away, such as those from Texas, the children, and the adults. It's hard to say goodbye, and it's hard to hear their name read, the name of a loved one or a friend who we will no longer see physically here at the church, not running around, not worshiping with us, not singing in the choir, not playing the piano, all those things that we were so used to seeing them here with But the sweetness of the day is the memories which surround us. The memory of laughter, love, Sunday school parties, July revival, and the other times of joy that we shared with them. We also get to celebrate Holy Communion today with all the saints who went before us as we profess in the Apostles' Creed. The common theme Of each celebration of life is that death does not have the last word. Death has been overcome by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel promise as we have the promise of eternal life. What comfort that brings. And yet, do we fully understand what eternal life is all about? Do we receive angel wings when we die and spend the rest of eternity in a place we call heaven? A place we have never seen or traveled to. A place which we must resort to imagery for we don't have the words to describe it. We often talk about pearly gates and streets paved with gold. We describe it as a place where we'll be surrounded by loved ones and a big banquet table filled with all the things that we love, and the angel choir, we have them here, singing in the background. We do know it will be a place of goodness, and all will be made whole from their earthly ills. Back in the day when I was a youth and a NYF, long, that tells you how long ago, as there is no MYF anymore. But it was a, just a few years ago, but we, will, we won't tell you how long. But we went on a retreat. And this was a retreat that had an impact on my life. It seemed like a very mundane little exercise and yet it spoke volumes. We gathered around in a circle as you always do in a retreat and they passed around a basket and inside were little slips of paper. Each one of us had to grab a slip of paper and then we were paired with a partner. Well my slip of paper said teach your partner John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever shall perish will not perish but have eternal life. I had that memorized. That was the first verse I had memorized, and I figured my partner knew it too. I mean, we'd grown up in Sunday school from way high, and he, was, he should have known this scripture. So I go beep bopping over, and I'm just all excited because I thought, oh, this is going to take two minutes. I, w- I have this. And so I said, repeat after me. And my partner kept shaking his head and waving his hand. And I'm going, hmm, what's going on? So I said it louder. And I said, repeat after me. And I said, For God so love the world. And still, he kept going, shaking his head, waving his hand. So I tried it again with hand motions. I pointed to the sky. For God. So loved the world, and still no reaction except for the head shaking and the hands going, "Mm mm-mm. This continued for, it seemed like two hours. It was probably 10 minutes, but who knows? It just seemed like it was forever. And I was getting very frustrated at this point, but my partner kept shaking his head very calmly shaking his hands no and then the leader said now exchange your slips of paper with your partner so this is what i read on his slip of paper act like you cannot hear or understand what your partner is saying (laughs) wow this experience is like describing heaven to someone that has never been to heaven which is all of us we can neither hear the words nor can we understand what heaven is because we've never experienced it. It's not in our realm of experience. We have to go to the image of heaven. This morning as I read the scripture from 1 John, it sounds like the commentary of John three sixteen. that very scripture I was trying to teach my partner way back in the day. But the commentary in 1 John sounds like this god gave us eternal life and this life is in his son whoever has the son has life whoever does not have the son of god does not have life notice the language that is not used notice the one word that you would expect to hear neither of these scriptures mention heaven they're both about eternal god Sometimes we get these two combined together, eternal life and heaven, and we we just put it all into a nice little ball and say, yep, that's what it is. So what's the difference? Heaven is a place that we have, we don't know where, but it's a place, and eternal life is a state of being. There's that subtle difference of the two, but there's also overlap. The most important thing about heaven and eternal life is that it's about a relationship with God. All these years, we have been buying fire insurance not to go to hell, and it's all about a relationship with God, who knew? Man, according to the writer and theologian Marcus Borg, John emphasizes knowing God and therefore having a relationship with God. He writes, for John, such knowing is the primary meaning of eternal life. Not a future state beyond death, but an experience right here and now in the present. To know God is eternal life. John 14, 6 said, This is eternal life, that they may know you and the only true God. The Christian experience is knowing God in Jesus Christ. So eternal life begins with a relationship with God. It does not begin when we take our last breath. It continues at our last breath. It begins when we first begin a relationship with God. What does etern- When does eternal life begin? Does it begin when we say the sinner's prayer or recite the Romans' road for us to have eternal life? One of the many things that I have always appreciated about the Methodist church is the doctrine of grace. Grace is freely given to us by God, and through grace we can begin to experience a relationship with God. God extends grace to us even before we are aware that there is even a thing, a persona, a triune God. We don't It is before we are even aware of God. In Wesleyan theology, that's called prevenient grace. It is that phase of grace which moves us toward God through the working of the Holy Spirit. We baptize infants because we know that God is working in that life of that tiny, tiny little infant from the moment that it took its first breath. The Holy Spirit propels the parents to present their child for baptism and then gives the parents the strength and courage to raise that tiny baby in ways of Jesus until the child recognizes the actions of God in themselves. God is always the actor in baptism. It's not humans. God continues to work in our lives when we are not aware, but hopefully eventually, we will stop and slow down enough to acknowledge all God has done for us. At that time, we recognize and acknowledge the wrong that we have done, recognize the need to change, the need to repent, the need to ask for forgiveness and receive forgiveness from God. This is called justifying grace, and we become right with God. You know, like that that paper on the computer, we justify on the edges. We are right with God. We get justified. It is at this point that the relationship between God and us quits being one-sided with the Holy Spirit doing all the work. We now seek a genuine relationship with God. As we progress in our knowledge of God, we hungrily search the scriptures. We pray without ceasing and participate in Holy Communion. John Wesley called this means of grace. We participate in all these with hopes of deepening our relationship with God as we enter into the next phase we call sanctification. Wesley defined sanctification as growing in grace, in knowledge, and love of God daily. Every single day. As we develop this relationship with God, we begin to understand and desire for it to never end. Eternal life begins well before we take our last breath. God gives us eternal life right here on earth. We look forward to a time when we will not suffer the ills of the world, but we get to experience all this joy that we have in life right here on earth. Karl Barth, the Swiss theologian and writer, writes about the definition of eternal life. He writes, Eternal life is a person's life lived with God in God's bright light, nourished and sustained by God's own life. Eternal life is when a person's life is committed to service of God and neighbor. It is life everlasting, extending beyond any natural death. We know that eternal life is happening right now. We know our life after death will be joy-filled, but still it remains a mystery. And let's face it, we don't like the unknown. We want to have answers. I hate to tell you, I don't have answers. I've not been, I I have my eternal life now, but I don't know what heaven's gonna be like. But I do know that whenever I've had the privilege to be with someone transitioning from this life to the next, that almost always they look up into the corner of the room, And to me, I think this is Jesus putting out their hand for them, for them to come. But let's face it, I don't really know. But that is what I see, because they have that peace on their face. We only know eternal God in bits and pieces, as Paul wrote to the Corinthians in the 13th chapter. For now we see in the mirror dimly but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. It's also why we call Holy Communion a foretaste of the feast to come. Now we know Jesus in a very small way when we take Holy Communion. It's just an appetizer. Imagine going to the Mexican restaurant, I will not name names because this is televised, and they bring you the chips and salsa and tell you that's all you got. You don't get anything else. That's the way Holy Communion is for us right here. It's just the appetizer, and in this life, that's all we get. But someday, when we leave all the limitations of this world behind, we get The whole enchilada. We'll know God completely. The author C.S. Lewis writes, when we see the face of God, we shall know that we have always known it. Thanks be to God for giving us eternal life. Amen.